Welcome back, listeners. My name is Kay Curtis, your tour guide on Learning from Friends. And I'm so happy to have you here today on this lovely adventure that we did too. It's now been two weeks since our last time that we met. And there's been a lot of good, phenomenal episodes recently. It's been a lot of advocacy and a lot of different talking with people, my friends, about the health in their life and also talking about experiences. And today we're actually going to be diving into talking about real estate because everybody at some point will either purchase a house, rent a house, lease a house. And being able to go through that process can be very confusing and very frustrating. So being able to do that and understand that I'm speaking to a realtor today, that's a good friend of mine, and to give us a little bit more insight into that world. But before we go into the topic, as you all know, we're going to do my mom's quote of the day. Mom, take it away. Today's quote comes from Ms. Kalman's classroom. Somebody is learning how to be a person by watching you. Let that sink in. Thank you, Mom. And continuing on adding that lovely joy to learning from friends. Now, Kristen, I'm so glad to have here. We've kind of went back and forth on trying to get some times in place, and that's part of life, though, to be able to try to find that time. So, Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, everybody. How are you? My name is Kristen Wilson, and I am a realtor with Hollingsworth & Company Real Estate, powered by Keller Williams. I've been in the business now since 2019. Kate and I actually have known each other for a really long time now. So 2019, I got my license, but Kate and I actually met when I was working in the school district. So When we were working with a a small group of kids. That's right. That's right. We were working with a small group of kids. Probably, not probably, it is my absolute favorite school that I love them. It's a great environment. But yeah, so we met each other and I got my real estate license and have just kind of dove in. So started real estate 2019, like I said before. And then in 2020, I made the decision that I was going to jump into real estate full time. You chose an interesting time at 2020 to go full time. I did. I did for sure. So actually, that was my 10th year with um, the school district. So I was vested at that point. Woo! Vested, retirement stuff. That's right. That's right. So I was like, you know what? This is kind of a great opportunity and a great time for me to step out and start new. So actually, I started full time January 1 is what I consider it of 2021. Ah. was when I went full time. So jumped in and just took off running and have never looked back. And you have that personality to be able to handle multiple things at once, which worked out as you were secretary at our school that we worked at and being able to handle all the different phone calls, all the different parents, all the different kids and stuff that was going on. And also the school that we worked at was with emotional behavior disorders. So having all the racket and all the potential, like I could get hit at any moment, kind of survive. It's you were battle tested and battle ready for almost anything. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I can definitely attest to that for sure. Um, Because real estate can be stressful at times. But there are times that I sit back and I look back on the years that I was in the corporate world, working at the school and the environment. And it just, it just made it easy, just made it an easy transition. And it just felt good. (laughs) That's the key thing of being happy and feeling good with what you're doing. Because if not, what's the point of doing kind of the job for it? You got to be happy with it because you may be spending 40, 60, 80 hours a week doing something. If you're going to get burned out from doing that so quickly, what's the point? Because you only have one life. That's right. And also, I've always kind of, I've heard people say, and I can remember a doctor that was actually 
in Cherokee County for many years, Dr. Denmark, that I can remember reading in her book where she said she's never worked a day in her life. Yes. Because she loves what she does. Exactly. And, and, or she loved what she did. And so that's my philosophy. Like I never, I'm, I'm not working because I am having so much fun and I've had so much fun in any of the jobs that I've done. However, I've really, really found my niche in real <laughs> estate. <have> <laughs> that's, that's the thing for me. Like I've worked in so many different realms than education. And finally, it's, I started out in middle school and then I kind of worked in like elementary. I worked a little bit in high school. Then I worked, then I was a one-on-one -on -one pair pro and I've worked in all these different realms. Then all of a sudden I landed back in middle school in seventh grade where I started teaching out. I'm like, you know what? I like this. And I've had a good group of kids this year. Shout out to my 2022, 2023 seventh grade class. I know some of you are listening. So you guys are awesome. I'm going to miss y'all. We're down to like 19 and a half days left of school. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you graduate, you know who you are. And those people listening, send me a graduation invitation. Find me somewhere. I'm sure I exist. It'll be in Cherokee County somewhere. Absolutely. So. Well, just a little bit of background for yeah, you guys let's, let's on myself it. is, you know, Kay just gave a little bit of his. So I'm a native of Georgia, born and raised here and um, back in 1983. So I've been here forever. I moved to Cherokee County in 1994. So I actually went to Boston Elementary then transferred into Bascom Elementary, and then ultimately at E.T. Booth, and then I graduated from Etowah High School. Go Eagles. That's right. So during that time, once I graduated high school, I actually started working part-time as an in, in an insurance company where my mom worked. Then I was going to school at the time to become an architect because all I ever wanted to do was draw houses, house plans. That's what I wanted to do. Quickly found out architecture did not just let me draw house plans. I had to learn about commercial stuff. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Yes. And I was like, I'm out. I don't want to do it. So jumped from there, went into drafting. Kind of thought that was cool for a second, but wasn't my niche. I went into cosmetology for a little bit. <laughs> I didn't know that one. That one I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I went into cosmetology for a little bit. I... um pretty much got to the point that I was going to graduate and go take all the state. And unfortunately, my dad ended up sick. So I had to help take care of him. Change plans. Yeah, yeah. Plans changed. And when those plans changed, I ended up working, staying with the insurance company and actually working with them for 10 years until they were bought out. Once they were bought out and I had to make a change, I went to the school district. I'm a very loyal employee. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Another 10 years at the school district. During that 10 years there, um, I ended up meeting my husband, Brandon. We have two beautiful children. We still reside here in Cherokee County where I live, work, and play. And then from there, I went into real estate. So, yeah. And there's a lot of licenses, as you mentioned there, just to go through and get into these different positions. What does it take to get a licensure in real estate? So to get your license in real estate, and don't quote me on the hours because I don't remember. And they sometimes change. Yeah, they do That's sometimes change. They, they do change. So you have to take a certain amount of hours that you have to sit in a class and learn the principles of real estate and learn law, the Georgia yeah. law. So there's lots of law. And from there, those while you're in the classroom, you have two separate tests that you have to take in the classroom and you have to pass those. If you do not pass those two tests, then you have to retake the course all over again. So you get two opportunities to pass the class test. And if you fail those, unfortunately, you have to retake the class. Thankfully, I passed. Yeah. I did have to take them twice, y'all. I'm going to be real honest. Hey, to be honest with you, I did as well. <laughs> I did as well when I got it. I, have, I haven't used my real estate license in a long time, but it took me twice. Yeah, it took me twice to pass the both class tests. And my teacher knew it. She told me. She was like, you know the information. We could literally sit here and have a conversation like we're having right now, and I could give you everything you needed. She was like, you just putting it to a test 
is just a challenge for the you. The math is what got me. I was great with the math. See, I couldn't remember all the formulas. Oh, the laws I got, but it was like, there's like, oh yeah, decimal two, three, four. And I'm like, oh, and I would be off by a little bit. Just and that's what killed me. Yeah. yeah. Well, so from there, thankfully, um, shout out to Aria <laughs> over in Woodstock. Nora, amazing teacher. That's who taught me. So shout out to them because without her, I would not be where I'm currently am. We need our teachers. That's right. We do 100%. <laughs> so from there, ended up, you go to state. And with state, you have to, basically with state, you can take that test as many times as you are willing to pay the fee to take the test. And it can be a little expensive. (laughs) It can. It can. So I, you know, might as well keep the goal, keep the, you know, trend running twice. I had to take it (laughs) twice. (laughs) I luckily passed it on my first time. Now, because it took me two times to pass it at the, for the the real estate course, but then I guess it transferred over well, but nothing wrong with it. Two or three times you pass it, you've got it. That's right. I passed it twice. The little interesting niche of that is that I was taking night classes because I was still working at the school district. So I was taking and being a mom. So I was being a mom. My husband was a fireman. So he was working 24 hour shifts, 48 hours. He was home. So he was working those. And I was going to night classes. And then I decided, you know what? Let's just level up my education and let's become an appraiser. Because <laughs> you need both aspects. You really yes. do. Yes. And I will. Um, we can get into that and I'll kind of let you guys know how that appraiser license really, really helped me in the market that we just came out of. Yeah, cause that's, that, I mean, that's been a whirlwind of a market. Yep. So went from there. So obviously you go and take state, pass it, and then you have to make the decision. Where do you want to hang your license? What brokerage do you want to put your license with? So, you know, you can pick. There's there's so many out there. There's so many out there's there. There's so many choices with your local, then you have your national, and then you have some that are just, oh, I'm just going to pay to be to some weird entity that I never meet the actual broker. Kind correct. Of yeah, correct. So it's like you've got completely virtual ones. You've got ones. There's just there's so many different ones out there. And I'll be honest with you guys. I um, went to lunch with a high school friend of mine. Her name is Amanda Fard, very successful agent in Atlanta. And her and I hadn't actually spoke to each other in years at that time. And I reached out to her and I said, hey, I would love to go to lunch with you. And she was like, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. She's with Keller Williams. And so I went to lunch with her and she was very honest with me. She's like, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been with any other brokerages. And this is the one. Yeah. And she was like, this is, it, it fit. It, it aligned with my purpose. It aligned with my values. So this is just where I've been. And at that time, I can't remember how long she'd been in the business. I think she's been in the business now for 16 years. But that just spoke volumes to me. If and you've got a reputation that you've built up and people know who you are and they recognize the name, that's really what makes the area. Yes. So I was like, okay. So she introduced me to one of the team leaders at an office. And I ended up getting, deciding that once I passed the class that I was going to hang my license with Keller Williams. So that's where I went. <laughs> and here we are in almost two years, well, two years later, kind of still running with it because 2021, 2020, I get messed up with my years sometimes. Well, time. It's, so technically it's been hanging there for the last four years. So, cause four, I hung it there 2019. Oh, gotcha. But you got started kind of going yeah. through. Yeah. Full time. I went full time in 2021, but hung my license with KW in 2019 and they embraced me. Right. I was a part-time agent. I just, I was, cause I was still working. You got a transition. Industry. Yeah. There was yeah. a transition period. And so they worked with me. I was able to attend as much of the education piece that I could. And a lot, just 
you learn. You learn from working in it, right? You got to see it. You got to touch it. You got to be a part of it before you kind of get off on your own. I think that's the smart way to do it because whenever I jumped in, I jumped in for the two years I was involved and I messed up because of I had mentors, but the problem is I lived so far away from where my mentors were. So going and seeing it, it it didn't click for me, which I think is part of the reason why I wound up going back to education. Maybe I'll go back eventually, maybe one day to do real estate, but it's the, I think I spooked myself because I jumped yeah. on too quickly. And I can appreciate that. I can definitely understand it because when you get into the business, they say it's like you're drinking from a fire hydrant. Yes. And there's so much information being thrown at you. And that's 100% true because what you are taught in school is not what you're at. I mean, you need the you need that information. Yes. However, to work in the business, it's not teaching you the fine things. It's yeah. not teaching you the different the acronyms that are out there. It's that, not. That's te- something we're going to go into in a moment. Yes. <laughs> Alphabet soup. Here we go. Yes. Here we go. The contracts. It's not teaching you how to get the business. And a lot of people, unfortunately, and my husband now is licensed with me. We actually just two nights ago. We went back to area where we both got our license and uh, Nora graciously let us come in and have a conversation with the students, right? To let them know, hey, you can do this. This is possible. And something that I always tell them is if you think real estate is a get rich quick, no, you need to change your mindset, not get out of the business. You need to change your mindset real quick because it is hard. And you have to grind and you have to work. And that was something that thankfully Amanda said to me when the very first time I ever reached out to her, even thinking about getting into real estate, she said, it's a great business. There's different, there's tons of opportunities to make an income in the business, but it's hard work, but it's rewarding. And it's that, that it's like being a first year teacher, whenever you get in the classroom, you can teach you all the pedagogy, all the read, all the books and all the things, but people throw things for a loop yes. instantly because you may have, here's the clear cut contract of what it looks like. Wait, wait, no, we need to make amendment there. Yeah. And this number is going to be off. Okay, we're in this county. So this law changes and this rules. <laughs> and then you may look at 30 different houses and all of a sudden the person goes, you know what? I think I'm I'm not going to look at a house anymore. And so you invested this much time into it and then it, it's Correct. gone. Yeah. And I will tell you from 2019 to where I am now. The amount of growth that I've had. And it's not, and it's growth, it's not just growth in my business, it's growth personally, it's mm-hmm. growth in my language. It's there's so many things with real estate that you you I can remember sitting in a class and telling a teacher, I came to sell real estate, not yeah. cry. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean I'm working on myself? Well, working on yourself is gonna help you. Yeah, because if, if you can psychologically be in your get best position to be able to help someone else who may be a little unsteady with their or unsure what they wanted to do, you're you're kind of being a coach for them. You're yes. being the advocate that they need. And that's a huge thing that a lot of people don't realize is you need to have that advocate looking out for you when you're looking at homes because you could really be put in a bad spot very quickly. Absolutely. If someone is trying to sell a piece of property and they may slide a couple things on their table because if you don't know, like right. that's a big thing. And being a realtor, like that's you, that is the stamp of like good approval, good stuff that <laughs> it is there. And there's a difference between realtor and real estate agent. There is. What is that difference? So the difference is, is obviously, so KW and I, could be different for different brokerages that they require us to be a part of a board. So we, I'm a part of the Cherokee association of realtors. You've got the Cobb association, you've got Northeast Georgia board, you've got the Atlanta board, 
And so to be able to label yourself as a realtor, you have to join one of those boards. To be a to be a licensed agent, you don't have to join a board. It's not required. However, with us joining that board, it gives us access to the what we call the GAR forms, which stands for Georgia Association of Realtors. We get access to the contracts that have been written by attorneys. Safer. Yes. Always <laughs> having that extra strong arm that helps you Correct. support. And it's no, I mean, no no hit against anybody or disrespect to anybody that doesn't have Yeah, It's a that. choice. It's an add-on. It's, it's a choice. Of, yeah, it's an add-on add for sure. You can go whichever way because, I mean, it doesn't say whether you're smarter or not smarter, whichever. It's just a choice. And I love having, I love being able to have that access. And be able to have that board. They're going to be heavily on what's going on with the trends Correct. and they're going to be involved with legislation changes. Yep. And so you may be seeing, okay, we're looking at the next two years, this law may be passing yep. or we know this is pipeline coming down or we see this trend taking place. So it's like you have a, a community built of all these other different real estate agents and stuff around you yes. or realtors that yep. are around you and you're communicating with each other. Because yes, there is competition in a way to be able to get the right people, but you do have to work together in order to make sure that Say, if this is your market that you say you're into industrial property, someone comes up to you to say, hey, I've got this industrial property that I maybe want to sell or hey, I want to pers- uh, purchase some industrial property. You go, that's not my thing, but I know who I can help you get to. And you create that community of, oh, they gave me this. Let me give them that. And it's that whole network yeah. process. It's all networking. And in the real estate world, I mean, and this is any world, I'm sure, is it's re- your referral partners, yeah. right? And with real estate, a beautiful, that's another piece of income right there that some people don't think about, right? Is it like if you have, Cade, for example, you've got your real estate license, but you're not actively working in real estate. So you could call me up and say, hey, Kristen, I've got this buyer and I want to refer them to you. We pay referral fees. Yeah. Completely legal. We pay 25%. So I'm like, okay, not a problem. I would love to pay you a 25% referral fee. That saves you time as well to right. not have to go and look for that farm, that kind of person to That's it. Right. And they That's may right. have that trusted relationship. If they know me and I trust you and they go, hey, I trust this person, they already have that little stamp of approval as well for it. Absolutely. Um, we That happens all the time. Like we've got great connections down in like Peachtree City. We've got another, I mean, we've got connections up here where we had um, this young agent that he started out with a uh, detailing business. But So he's in contact with people all the time. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And he never knew about this. So we were able to educate him, hey, because he was like, hey, I've got a buyer. You, I'm just not working it. And we were like, yeah, and we'll pay you a referral fee. He was like, what? A referral <laughs> <Really>? fee? <laughs> yeah, we call that mailbox money. <laughs> True. And that's the thing. If you can always have that kind of like little bit of call it passive income in that yes. sense of if they're having that general conversation already, why not? Just exactly. go and have it there. You so need to get they, like a banner at their business now in the corner. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and if they trust them and they know, love and trust you and you're like, hey, I know and love and trust this realtor. I want you to work with them. Why wouldn't they? Right. Why wouldn't they trust you? Entirely. I do not do commercial real estate. <laughs> Found that out real quick. It's not for everyone. No. You have to find your niche in the market. You do, for sure. So I've definitely got amazing referral partners that they love working commercial. I love working land. However, I don't love working it to the degree that another agent in our office does. Like, it's all he does. And so that's his baby. Here you go. I'll help. Like, I've got a client right now that we're purchasing a piece of his land but I don't want to learn all the things to sell it. <laughs> yeah, because there's different laws from industrial, commercial, residential, and then right. just 
blank plots of well, land let me, that has yeah, to go and let, me, play. let me refrain on that. Like, go don't for it. mind selling the land because we've got a couple of land listings right now. It's the complicated ones that I'm like, oh, there's an encumbrance here, or hey, there's a pipeline run through yeah, this one, or there's, there's I can't sell the mineral rights underneath, but correct. I can be able to sell this part. When it gets to the complicated pieces of it, that's when it's out of my wheelhouse to do it. And I'm like, okay, we just need to refer that to somebody else. Somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The simpler ones that are kind of cut and dry, we're good with. But when you start getting yeah. into the complicated pieces of things Ooh. and where there's a ton of county involvement, it gets a little different. Yeah. It gets a little hairy and along the lines for it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, there's a lot of jargon that we kind of mentioned earlier or that we're going to mention throughout the podcast. Do you have any the acronyms or anything that you want to go, hey, I want to introduce this jargon now and we'll reuse it later and perhaps, but I want to give you that little introduction. That's a great question. And there's so many, I'm trying to think of them like right off the top of my head. There's so many that deal with your more of like your contracts. There's ones that deal with, like we said, the GAR forms. Yeah. yeah, those GAR forms. And then you have your your different contracts, which is like you have an amendment to address concerns and we call it ATAC. And I was, I would always be like, what does that stand for? <laughs> or we had the CAD, which is your community association disclosures. You've got your SPED, which is your seller's property disclosures. I would hear all of these when I first got into the business and I'm like, what are they, what are they talking about? And I didn't want to ask, right? Because I didn't want, I didn't want people like, to know I was new. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> That's always a hard part too, is learning to ask questions. Yeah. And feeling comfortable with that. And it was nerve wracking because I was like, I don't want anybody to, you know, think I'm stupid, which I hate that word. But now I hate that word. I used to not. They don't want to know that I'm new. But I quickly learned with KW that it, there's no stupid question. Yeah, they there want you to learn. Ask the questions. Ask the hard questions. There's always someone willing to help. I was writing my very first contract on my own piece of property. I was trying to purchase my own house. Oh, it's smart. <laughs> yep. Interesting. Was, but you have to disclose that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like trying to figure out we were having a – there was a piece – I can't remember exactly. I think we were getting hung up on a price – I think something like the systems were too old or something. I don't exactly remember. But I put out there on our page, hey, I need help. This was 10 o'clock at night. I yeah. left my phone number immediately. I had three agents oh, wow. calling me. Hey, what do you need help with? Oh, yep, not a problem. And just sat on the phone with me helping. So yeah, going back to that piece of like helping, trying to learn all these different things. It's amazing how helpful people are, <laughs> which was That's another true. value proposition for me being with KW. I loved it. Something a lot of people don't know about real estate is, for example, if you have a beautiful chandelier that is in your house that was your great-great-grandmother's and it is not going to be sold with the house, the easiest thing that I tell people to do is let's just go ahead and take it down. Take it down before pictures. Take it down before anybody gets to see it. People see these things in homes and they automatically assume that it stays with the property. And, and then they're excited them maybe. Yeah. Like, I like that. Right. Like yeah. that sold that that sold me that right there. Um, I'm guilty of that. Like I did that actually on that piece of property that we looked at ourselves. There was a beautiful chandelier and I was like, oh my God, this thing is amazing. It sold the house. And then I looked at the property disclosure. And it was not a it and was there. saw that it was being removed. There were so many things in the house that actually made the house that were being removed from the house. So my advice to our clients is to just go ahead and remove it. If it's something that really makes the house, 
remove it. If it's something that means something to you, go ahead and remove it. A mirror, anything like that. If it's nothing major, for example, just write it in the property disclosure. Like there's the refrigerator. It's not staying with the property. The freezer that's in the basement, not staying with the property. Just go ahead and disclose that and let people know that things are not going to stay. Because it's hard to remove everything in the house if you're not moving yet and you're like Correct. wait a second oh no yeah. but if you had the opportunity to it but whenever we looked at house the one that we wound up purchasing all this stuff was in the garage and we're like what's going on with the garage and then it's like oh over there just they removed everything that they wanted to keep here and i was like okay yeah which is smart right because then you're not yeah and st- oh i love some staging well that's something we'll talk about yes. we'll do some staging yes everybody has their about- certain things I'm sure that people have heard that before, the word staging. Um, There's another word that people don't think about. So we stage our listings, and that's something that we do. Um, Not everybody does, and that's fine. We do do that for sure. We actually just had a listing go live on Thursday, that on Wednesday before pictures, we were over there. And we were putting in some – and it takes – sometimes it's just real simple things, right? You pull out the personal items, like this particular house. She's a friend of mine. So God love her. She (laughs) loves owls, loves them. But we're reminded that that's a personal thing. Yeah. So I'm sure she found all of her owls were put different places. And I forewarned her what we were doing. (laughs) We got to move this. (laughs) We're moving things. And she knew that we were going to be doing that and just made it unpersonal. Because you want the buyers coming into the house to be able to view themselves. Blank slate, this is what I can do to this house. Correct, correct. So get all the pictures off the walls. Get the things that family items kind of out of the house. Um, But we just did some really simple light staging there. We put them, it's amazing what some throw pillows and some towels and some cute little plants can do. That's a basic general thing of, oh, maybe I will have a plant there. Or maybe I could put the plant somewhere else because it's things that people do have already. Correct. Correct. Another thing that we do as far as staging, we have a stager as well. So Shelly, which is my business partner, Shelly Hollingsworth, her and I will go and do it some of ourselves. Um, But if we can't, then we will reach out to Mary Wynn, who's amazing, and she will go with us. And because there are times that we are taking curtains off walls. We're doing all those things. Well, you have to make it look good for the buyer to want to purchase. Correct. And that's why good photography goes a long way. Yeah. And having those, we're, the, it's advancing right now, of like where they have the little drone going into room to room to room yes. and kind of seeing things. Oh, and let they, me tell you, I have the 3D, loved all that. 24, like the, not 24, but 360 views of everything. It's yes. so intriguing to see. Because that wasn't, that was coming in when I first started. Okay. Of the people going in. And it was so expensive when it started, but now it's so much cheaper too to oh, it do is. it. And we like, have an amazing photographer that does all of those different things. Like she even has this, and I think it's called a gimbal. Is what it's called that holds your phone where it wasn't, it doesn't like doesn't shake, shake or and everything. And she, I mean, we've done reels and stuff like that. And she knows how to do all that stuff. I'm over here like, what? And that's why they're working for a good team of having those people in place makes a difference. Yes. And she's understanding like the purpose of like the social media. And I mean, she'll give us an outline of what we need to do with what she has sent us nice. each day because we just don't know. But yeah, so it's the photography, it's the staging. Even if you have a vacant piece of property, we have before there's been a time, there's been times where a house hasn't sold, right? And so they decide to switch agents. Well, we walk in and we're like, "Oh my gosh, this would be amazing if it was staged." Well, we've paid as a we've paid because that's part of, of some of our services mm-hmm. that we pay and have it staged with furniture. And that could very easily sell something very sold quickly. Sold it in 4 days. 
Right. And this market is very interesting right now of how fast things are going if you do it right. Correct. And some people don't realize that whenever you're picking an agent, that that example of setting the staging in place. Because if some people are like, I have to pay you a thousand dollars before I even get started selling something. No, you want to pay that because of what we're bringing to the table. As you mentioned, social media earlier, yes. staging something to make it look like the the 360 view. Because you may have somebody in Tennessee or somebody in Florida that doesn't want to drive up here immediately just to look right. at a piece of property that the pictures are there. But if they see the pictures and they see something in place, holy moly, that's one easier step for it. Yes. And it just makes it easier, especially when you're walking outside and you feel like you're walking outside at that yeah. point in time. I love I love doing I love working on all of this. Like it's just exciting and it's exciting to see like the finished product of certain things. That's the cool thing you see from beginning all the way to end. Yeah. You get to see the whole thing. Like we um I mean we pulled out like all the stops for a piece of property up on Lake Lanier and did all the things and made it just it it, it was amazing. It was just amazing. But to be able to now see the start of it into the finished product where we're like, okay, it's under contract now. Right, we're towards we're towards the end. Yeah, we're towards the end, but all of the other pieces that went on behind the scenes that so many people don't know that happens to get a piece of property sold. So that's 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 dive into a little bit of that if if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talked about the advertising first. How do you how do you have that after someone's come to you goes, hey, I want to sell a piece of land or I want to sell a house. What is the first thing that you do? First thing that we do is we set an appointment. Leading up to going on that appoint appointment, we are already studying the market, which we study the market all the time. I, it's like my I get real giddy about it, and I'm super excited. You got to keep like, up with the trends. Yeah, I'm like, whoo! Did anybody <laughs> see the days on market has changed? <laughs> yeah, like it's exciting for me, and I I just love it. So you're doing a lot of studying of what's happening around that house, right? I am constantly, and I tell people this: I'm constantly taking on my appraiser hat. And changing it to my realtor hat and then putting back on my appraiser hat because I look at things from both sides, especially when it comes to trying to do the pricing, because that's the other piece that people don't understand. Not only do we have to get the property sold and, or get it under contract, but once we get it under contract, we got to get it through appraisal. Like it yeah. has to appraise. Who wants to have that hiccup of, oh, it's not appraising? And then you have to go back. So I'm constantly going back and forth looking at things. So I analyze stuff a lot before I go on a listing appointment. Yeah, looking at the area, got to have your comps, got to have that in place. Or hey, yes. is this a finished basement? Is this unfinished? How many bathrooms does it have? What is that selling in this area? Yeah. And yeah. as this market is changing, because I'm sure everybody – knows the market that we came out of, right? Our hair was on fire. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Literally, we were like, we're going to put it on the market on Friday. We'll have multiple offers to you on Sunday. We're going to send you a spreadsheet. We'll have it under contract by Monday. And we were closing in less than 30 days. That is nuts. Right? It took 45 days for us to kind of go through and close. Whenever we finally found the property and getting things set up. Yeah. Now it's a... Well, and that's what I'd heard of. That was definitely not the market that I'd ever worked in. So yeah. I, the market that I was, what I call born in, was I know how to write a really aggressive offer. So you have, you were in the bull market, yeah, kind of that deal. Yeah, I was pulling out all the stops, like anything. And I had, and this is something that our, you know, our realtor, you know, audience can speak to. So you have your FHA buyers, which is your requirements are just a little bit lower on your. Um, your credit scores, your down payment, it's you're mainly based off of your credit scores. So FHA buyers, you had to also get through an FHA appraisal, which honestly, an FHA appraisal versus a conventional appraisal, there's not a huge difference. 
it's, it just scared people. It, yeah. People heard the word FHA. Terminology can be really confusing for you. Correct. And one Correct. person gets, that's why part of the psychology is you have to make someone feel comfortable. Correct. Exactly. So it was a challenge getting those FHA buyers under contract. Going back to just the market that I was born in was I worked with a lot of FHA, which <laughs> was a challenge. And so now, you know, getting back into the, you know, getting a house ready and looking at everything, you're studying the market because you want to have the conversation with your seller that, okay, we want to price it right now yeah. so that we're not having to do a price reduction. Yeah, because that can look a little rough for somebody like, why is it being reduced? Correct. What's going on here? Is it psychological? Because going back to the previous market, buyers are, well, if it's having to have a price reduction, what's wrong with it? Exactly. Because the previous market, there was no price reductions. It was just selling. <laughs> it was, here it is, today, Correct. price, gone tomorrow. Yeah. We with like $40,000 over asking. Yeah. So <laughs> we were chasing the ball up the hill versus pricing it incorrectly and chasing the ball down, down. the hill. Yep. Sounds so, like me with auctioneering. I'm always start off low, then work my way up high. Correct. Yeah. So, And that's essentially how the last market was. So it's also educating our sellers on where the market is now just came out of a huge mastermind that we go to um, every single month, just kind of talking about that stuff. And I relate that back to our sellers of saying, hey, we were just talking about the data of where we are in the market because I love I love the, I don't love the idea. I just love the fact that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So okay. Like, yeah. So I like to put myself in the right room of where I am not the smartest person. Because that's where you're going to get the most knowledge. That's from. where I'm going to grow. Because you may be bored. That's one thing I run in the classroom all the time of, I may have a student in the back that's sleeping. I'm like, are they bored because they know the material or and I'm not challenged enough or do they not know it and so they're shutting down? Right. So same same concept there for sure. So just constantly learning and looking at everything. So I also let sellers know. I mean, we just did. I came out of that mastermind. We had a listing that went live and I let my sellers know, hey, I've studied it. Here's where I'm. The it's showing that we're the best price is going to be. However, this market is very different. <laughs> yeah. So we want to be priced right and move in the right direction so that we can get your property under contract within the first, I like to push for the first 10 days. Oop. Because still with the Atlanta market and your surrounding markets, it is true. If you are sitting on the market past 10 days, you're either overpriced or ugly or you're both. True. And you want to be the prettiest girl at the dress, at the, you know, at the, at the prom, dance, yeah, right? The dance, yeah, exactly. You want to be the prettiest girl there. And so you got to, and you want to be priced right. So it's, it's going back to that. And, some, and for some sellers, it's hard for yeah, them. Say, my, but I know this house is worth, the one down the street sold for 400. Why is mine being listed at 325? It's like, okay, well, let's compare this. That's Correct. so kind of the reason, because that can make someone feel uncomfortable as well. It does. And also a lot of times you can, you have to gauge your, your clients too. Is it emotional or is this business? Mm -hmm. For True. for me, it's it's business. I can be emotional to it sometimes. Definitely guilty. Hey, that, but that's a good thing to have to know when to separate. Correct. And so you have to kind of just see where they're at, and you have to ask a lot of questions. And so, in doing that, you find out what their motivation is, what it is that's truly, and you figure out how you're going to speak to them. So, getting ready for all of the, getting ready for the listing appointment, and you're going on the listing appointment, there's a lot that's going on in your mind where most people are like, oh, you're just, you just like stick a sign in the yard. No, you don't. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't at all. You are analyzing what's going on around that particular property. You're seeing what this property has versus what has closed because that's what you're looking at as far as your comps is you're closed. Yeah. You want to be able to, and if you're in an area that there's not a lot of closure because of 
everybody stays. That's really yeah. hard to get a comp. It is. And we just actually had one that was like that. Nobody had sold in the, in the neighborhood since 2021. Wow. So there was no valid comp. So when that happens, you have to start stepping out mileage-wise, looking for comparable houses and going, okay. And that's the appraiser side. Is Another hat. That's right. <laughs> is you flip that one on, you're like, okay, so I'm going to go three miles out looking for a comparable. Okay, there's not. Okay, I'm going to go five miles out and looking to see what that one sold for. Thankfully, this one we found a good comp and – we priced it what we felt was right, and we ended up literally within hours with an offer that was just unbelievable. Wow. Over asking price, post-occupancy, after closing, uh-huh. no closing cost, cash deal. Nice. That's the cool thing right now is it's so interesting how it used to be all these loans, and now it's like everybody's coming in, here's cash. And it's like, man, done. That was easy. Yeah. Is that people don't understand like why – cash is king when it comes to it because it makes speeds of the process. You're not having to worry about the loan application coming back and last minute the loan fails. Yeah. Or last minute they discover something else. It's it's done deal. Yeah. And you know it's the cash in your hands. Well, and okay, so like speaking on that point right there, right? So that's just another piece that's happening behind the scenes. So yeah, we've we've studied the market. We've figured out the price. We've done the staging. We've put it on the market. Now we get a contract. Okay. Yeah, now we get a contract. Most people have no idea what they're looking at when they're looking at these contracts. Because they could literally be five pages or like 50 pages. Exactly. (laughs) So depending on what the offer is and depending on what the property is, there's no telling how many different exhibits you could have with it. And when you're trying to read all that and understand it, it's a lot. So that's where your realtor comes in that you can go, okay, what is this? Now, we're not going to give you the entire... We're not going to read. We can't read the right. whole entire We're not process down. But Let's we get can, out the magnifying glass. And- right. We can at least like chunk it down, right? And chunk it down to where it's very easy for our clients to understand. Even when it comes to um, signing the listing agreement or signing the buyer brokerage agreement, BBA. There's another, there, there's another one. Yeah, there's another one. Your buyer brokerage agreement is your BBA is what we call it. That we can just chunk it down for you guys and help the consumers help our clients understand and know that we're there. They call us. You have yeah. questions? And you're legally obligated to make sure they're safe because if something goes wrong, you can go back and say, okay, you didn't tell me this. You didn't tell me that. Like, Correct. So they're, have your, they're your biggest advocate. Yeah, we are your biz- biggest advocate and we want to protect you. Or it's not that we we do protect you. We do yeah. for sure. And that's in all, all aspects, listings or buyers. So now you've got your you're down to that. Well, then okay, great. Now we've got a lender. Well, it it pays to know who these different lenders are. It's um, true. Having a relationship there. Yes, having a relationship. We've got a relationship with several amazing lenders that we talk to. Like I can literally pick up my cell phone right now. I've got their cell phone number and they're answering me and they will answer, "Hey, Kristen. How you doing?" Yeah, how you doing? What do you, what 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 can I do for you? Well, you got a question? And they do that. So it's not like with your big banks where it's Monday through Friday. You don't have – it's not a personal relationship. So having that personal relationship with a lender is amazing. We make phone calls to the lender. So we, on the list side, we have get an offer. We see the lender. We're making a phone call. Yeah. Is hey. this going to work? Is this what, – yeah. what are we looking at in the process? We're verifying. And, not, and we're verifying because of the fact that we're protecting our seller. 
True. Right. We need to make sure that this is real and that we're not about to take this property off the market for something that's not going to close. Yeah. Cause then it, you take off the market and it's put back on another psychological thing that pops exactly. up. Exactly. What happened? Why did it fall apart? Yeah. What's wrong with the house? Because it fell apart, which nine times out of 10, it's not because of the property. It's, it's the financing. It's financing. Sometimes it is because of the property that does happen. However, it's not always something wrong with the property. So from there, we're making those phone calls, making those connections, making sure everything's correct. If it's a cash deal, we're asking, we're trying to verify the funds. Yeah. We need to see where this money is coming from. Is right? this coming offshore? Yeah. <laughs> is this coming well, like I mean, you've locally? got fraud now, oh, right? Oh, gosh, and so constantly. Yeah, you've got fraud everywhere. Unfortunately, we had an incident this past year where, thankfully, nobody really had any money taken away from them. But it was a situation that has made us aware where it's like, okay. And what happens when you like, when you don't have an experience that you wanted, you learn something, right? <laughs> always, always be continually learning. Yeah. So we learn stuff. So we've put some implementations, we've implemented some things in our business that it's like, yep, check, got it. We've, we're triple checking things, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a service that we're providing. Yes. That's, and that's what you're paying for as you're going through. Correct. It's part of it. Yeah. We just want to make sure that they're, that people are protected. So once we get through that, then the next thing that we have to get through is the appraisal. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> appraisal. And people will hear, you'll have an appraisal contingency and you'll have a finance contingency. Usually those kind of go hand in hand with each other. Because once you get through the appraisal, the house appraises, you're good. The other piece that you'll also hear is your due diligence. Yep. You have a period of time. Yep. You have a period of time. Um, you'll also hear the term earnest money. Yeah. Lock you in place. Yes. Yep. So earnest money is some, and first time home buyers, they don't necessarily know what earnest money is. Yeah. So we have to educate people in that crazy market. We were doing high earnest money. Yeah, some from what I've heard, some of them are doing like 40, 50% and like at a minimum walking yes. in. It's like the earnest money is like almost like the safe. You're interested in the property and you are going to put down like a deposit for yeah. it. And your due diligence period maybe 10 days, 30 days. And if you all of a sudden get to the end of that 20, 30 days and you decide you're going to back out, that earnest money is guaranteed to the seller. Correct. So we're looking at that too. What is our what is our due diligence? So your normal Due diligence is 10 days, which feels like forever. It really does when you really want a house. Yeah. Well, it feels like forever for myself coming out of a market where I was writing oh, zero yeah. days. Exactly. Or I was writing three days or five days. Like I was writing very short due diligence. The more periods. time you have, the yes. more thought you have to go back on your, on your choice. I'm so, an overthinker, so I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 10 days feels like forever to me. So whenever I'm like, but it is the, it's the normal. It's the True. No, it's in a normal market. That's what you, seven to 10 is what you see. Um, So we're looking at that. We're looking at the person's earnest money. Cause like you said, earnest money is what I call your skin in the game. Perfect. So that's better than my description. Yeah. It's your skin in the game. That earnest money does go back to you as goes back to the buyer with their loan. So their money that they have to bring to the closing table. So it's not just money that's just Floating around, floating around in the wind. <laughs> but it does show the buyer's skin in the game and that if they decide to back out once their contingencies are over or their due diligence is over, then that money is awarded to the seller. Because that takes away their opportunity on selling that house. Correct. And you took it off the market for that period of time. Exactly. Which exactly. is why there's pending sale on the, on the sign whenever you walk by. <laughs> that's right. That's right. In the crazy market, like we just said, we were doing crazy numbers. Like I think the highest one I wrote was like $40,000 in earnest money. Typically wow. now it's anywhere between 1% to 2%. So if it's $300,000 house, you're 3000 or 6000 
So it just depends on where you're at. It just shows. It, I, I base things, look at things just differently for the buy side. But for the list side, we're looking at that, seeing how much are they putting down, how serious are they. True. Because if they have a potential to lose 20 grand. Oh, they're definitely going to be on top of it. They're going to have, <laughs> right. okay, I'm going to have my person serious. look at doing an inspection, everything. I'm going to have another yeah. inspector. Let's have the roof guy out. Let's have this out. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. tomorrow. <laughs> yes. So it's we're looking at that on the list side for sure. Want to see, okay, how serious are they? Because we're, again, protecting our sellers. We want to make sure that they're protected and that we're not just throwing it under contract for something that's not going to close. Yeah. And that's, you have to filter for near side of seeing if they backed out once as that's your client, you want to make sure that you're not going to be facing that issue with your client before it gets there. Correct. So that's choosing a client is a, is a big, important process. It is. It is. It's, I mean, it's, there's so much that happens on the backside of the transactions that people just don't know about. Yeah. It's right? kind of like going to a concert. Yes, the person's coming out and singing, but you don't know everything else is going right. into it. There's a hundred people back there that the set practice. up the stage, tear it down, yeah. the practice. <laughs> you got your dancer that's there for this. And then when they're changing out a guitar or the musician goes down or the guy makes right. the board, like so much. There's so many things. And it's, you know, and we're blessed to guide people. Like we love it because we just want to help people. But going through that. So once we finally, we get through all of those pieces and then it's the most wonderful day, final walkthrough for yeah. the buyer that's buying the property. And then you close on the deal. And the seller moves on to their next adventure. The new buyer moves into their next home and people are happy. That's the cool thing. I love seeing with some people use like a big key or some people use like, you know, handing over keys, like the little yes. pictures whenever you see that close and you, and you see that smile because, you know, they've completed this process and they're moving on in their life to something bigger and better. And you've walked them to that spot. Yeah, correct. The other thing that people too, like in the transaction, I constantly remind myself is that, you know, we are the message deliverers. Like we deliver the message. Like and it may we, be two o'clock in the morning. Maybe, you know, right? we're 24 hours on call. We're 24, we're on there. But is we deliver the message to folks, right? And so we present all the information and then it's up to our clients to make the ultimate decisions on whichever way that they want to do things. We're here for guidance. We're here for suggestions. But ultimately, my opinion is not the one that matters. It's true. Because you, you have your list of people saying, hey, this inspector's that use this inspector for here or make sure you do this before due diligence is up. Like right. we can't force you, but here's I think what you need to do. Cause a lot yep. of people don't think about that of no. maybe I should get an inspector to come in, like an electrician to look at certain things, or don't bring in just a handyman. Like bring in somebody that's certified Correct. to be able to come in and do this stuff. Yeah. Cause you never know. If your roof's gonna be there's a leak somewhere that you don't recognize, or there is like a, an air duct issue that's coming in, and having that person can make or break what you're walking into after you purchase the house. A hundred percent. So go to that point right there, like working on the buy side. So working on the buy side, again, the process of that is, is again, we're studying the market. We're studying it again because we're looking, we're about to take this person out. They've been pre-approved with a lender. We prefer one of our preferred because we have an amazing relationship. you have the relationship. Correct. You know what you're expecting. That's right. We have the, we know the expectations. Because yeah. they've given them to us and we've given them our expectations of, hey, if this is how we need to work if you're going to work with our clients. So it's it's a, it's a business friendship, and but it's still a friendship and it's still a relationship, right? So we start looking at houses. Again, we're studying the market. You decide you want to put in an offer in. Well, I'm looking to see what has closed. Yep. Is this property is this overpriced? Worth value? Right. Is this, is this right? What's the best tactic for us to attack going after this home that you want to buy now? So from there, 
We look at that, figure it out, have a discussion, decide what we're going to write the offer to be. Purchase price, not purchase price, closing costs. Contingencies, I want you to fix this. Due diligence, you know, the contingency, which the contingency piece is coming from our lender. We have a conversation, hey, can we tie this up or finish this up in about 14 days between the appraisal and the finance um, is what we typically pick, 14 to 21. I like 14 better just yeah. because I came Less out stress. of the, yeah. <laughs> sorry. Less stress. I, again, I came out of the market of writing zero days. Like we were already through underwriting and able to- Sitting get, at the table yes, next day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I did some eight-day closes, so that'll wow. definitely- Rack your brain. See why I'm fast paced. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a good thing is you're ready. You're on it. Coming out of that, yeah, eight-day closings for sure. But back to um, the buyers. So then we go through that. Okay, fantastic. They love our offer. They take it. All right. So due diligence. Like you said, your due diligence is your time to figure out what what is going – pick the house apart. That's we, always pick yes, apart. We have a list of vendors that we – have. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I have one inspector that is my absolute favorite. And it's only because I had to use somebody else while he was out of town one time. And unfortunately, that company just didn't do the job. You recognize the difference. Yes. And you're so thankful for that. Yep. So my um, inspector, his name is Dean Hagee. He's amazing. So I call him up literally. We'll call him up when we're about to put in an offer and say, hey, can you pencil me in? I'm about to submit an offer and he'll pencil me in for um, whatever day I need. And um, if we win it, if we win the deal, he gets out there. He's right there. It. Yeah. And he's quick about it because he knows I like quick turnaround because if he finds anything, I need to have the amount of time to be able to bring in those other vendors. Yep. And that's which, the thing of having that relationship. He knows that he's going to pencil you in over maybe Joe Schmo down the street who he doesn't know. Correct. Because he can trust you and you're not going to put him in a bad situation. Nope. Nope. He's my guy. He knows it. I'm calling him. He's the only one I'm calling. But yeah, so it gets us to where, and again, our vendors, we have a lot of different vendors for different things. Fortunately, I've got Dean and that's just who I trust for inspection. But HVAC, roofs, and those, you do need a couple of those, right? Because not everybody can get out there as quickly as you need them to during that due diligence period. True, because so they, they have their jobs and they yeah. may have 10 houses looking at in a day. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so we've got different vendors that they do those things, come out, check out the house. Once we get all of the data, all of the information about the, the property, we sit down and we, with the client, and say, hey, is there anything you want to go? Is there anything we want to ask the seller to address? And that's where the amendment to address concerns. And you're it's a negotiation. It's a give and take, you know? And kind of rule of thumb that we go off of, if your major systems are fantastic, roof is great. That's we're look, those are the first big things that we're those looking are at. So expensive. Right. Exactly. They're so expensive to replace. So we're looking at those. If those are great, all right, let's look at these other little things. And we just kind of determine where we want to go with it. Some folks are like, now I'm good. My dad can come help me do blah, 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 blah. Or others are like, no, I really want to. I need that. Yeah. That's, that's take 5000 Can you offer me 5000 to fix that later? Correct. Exactly. So you just kind of go back and forth on which way you want to negotiate that. There's different tactics. There's asking. If it's nothing like major, you can ask for some closing costs to kind of offset the costs that you're going to have to spend. You can ask them to have it repaired, provide receipts. There's just different tactics. Everybody does things a little bit differently. You just got to kind of Fill it out. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Fill it out. Fill out the other side, right? Call that listing agent. Say, hey, listen, I'm just trying to, 
I want to bounce some things off of you. Like, where's where's your seller's headspace at? And it's a conversation and a relationship and just being open and honest and clear with, hey, wanna, we want to get to this. We want to get to the end of this. So just having those conversations. And once you get past that and it's negotiated, fill out the different piece of the contract and then get through and on to closing. Yeah. 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 And again, going back to those listing agents, I mean, I work listings, I've worked both sides of the business, but props to those listing agents out there who are the mindset of, no, let's figure this out. Let's not, that don't get upset. I've had, I've worked with some folks that get upset. It's a win-win or no deal. That's something huge that you'll hear at KW. And that's, and so that's where we are. Like, that's where my mindset is. And I love the other side of the transactions having those same mindsets of win-win or no deal. We had a, a deal that, you know, there was a, there was a, it was a tree. And thankfully the other side was like, no, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. How can Let's we make it. everybody feel comfortable? Right. And my buyers were out of the state. They weren't here. Oh, wow. Yes. That's a big deal. They were here and saw the house and put the contract on it. But for everything else, they were out of state getting their house ready to sell. So I was there constantly, like, and just in conversation with the other side, went to the project, took some videos, you know, to make my clients feel good about what was happening because it was a large purchase. It was a, yeah, it was a large purchase. So just doing that extra piece for your buyers too, right? Making them feel good, making them feel like okay, I, I'm I, I feel I'm in better. good hands. Yeah, I'm in good hands. That's the big thing. I think yeah, I'm day. in good hands. So, um, just different. Ta- there's all kinds of things that come up, but you just kind of work through it, and it's fun. It's and it's a blessing and amazing to get to see people's faces when they close on the house, and everything went just as it's smooth. Like why I teach of I like to see the end product of that the kid learned something or you know got something out of this yeah. that the aha moment and like there's the aha moment within doing the real estate as yes. well so you're seeing that transition yes it's amazing it's like, it's, go out of the world yes you're go. good to go now <laughs> um and then just i mean it's just i don't know it's just it makes me so excited and then if you sell come on back you know yeah exactly <laughs> i've had repeat clients yeah. we definitely have had that for sure and that's the other piece too having those conversations with your buyers because you're always thinking, right? Always thinking, how's this property going to sell down the road? True. Right? Was it a challenge to get it bought? Is it going to be a challenge to sell it again? And those are other conversations that some people just don't think about. And it's not trying to deter them. It's just something to think about, right? And going down the road. Because if you do decide to sell, yeah. And keeping in contact with the buyers lets them know, hey, like they didn't just leave me out hanging. Like they just, they're all they were looking for is the payday and they're done. Yeah. No, definitely not that. You never know. And on, hey, I felt comfortable with with them helping me. I'm going to go talk to my friend here real quick. And, yeah. and it kind of passes along. It does. It definitely does do that. Yeah. The referral business is amazing for us. And working with Shelly, speaking of like referral business, she's been, she's been in this business for 26 years. That's a lot of knowledge. Yes. That's a lot of good knowledge. Yes. I mean, I am constantly bouncing things off of her. There's certain aspects of the business that I haven't had to deal with um, just because of coming out of that market that we came out of that I'm like, hey, just so you know, I haven't had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so come on. Yeah. And she's like, not a problem. We can let's, do this. Yep, I got let's you. Have let's have, a have the conversation. Let's have this conversation. Let's get you up to speed and you'll be good to go. And so lots of things like that have happened, especially for those newer agents out there that just got licensed in the last three to four years or four to last four years. There's a lot of things that we haven't had to deal with that True. a lot of your seasoned agents 
have. Because the trends are constantly changing. And right. that's the that's the neat thing of being informed of that, being a realtor, you get that information knowing this may have not been here 10 years ago, but now I see it coming back. Exactly. So it's being in constant conversation, just you know, diving yourself into conversations with those that have been in this business forever, exposing yourself to those big thinkers and so you can learn what's happening in the business and in the market so that you are the smartest agent at the transaction. So it's pretty important. So that's the other piece of just with your buyers and sellers. There's lots of things that are still new to some of us. And sure. I'll, I'm open to it, but I love it. I love the Do knowledge. you have a preference of buyers or sellers? I don't. I love working with both. I feel like because I have worked both, I have an appreciation of being able to look from both sides. Yeah, where, you can look out. Yeah. yeah, I can see on both sides of the fence. Not saying that people don't. However, I, you know, sometimes it's like one of those things. If you don't use it, you forget it. That's true. You, that if I'm not working, if I haven't worked a buyer in a long time, there's some things that I might not like remember or embrace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> about working with buyers. So now I, I work with both. Well, technically, I am the listing agent on our team. However, this past year, I was the lead buyer's agent on our team. So I'm mainly going to be working listings now. However, there's still some times where you have to kind of step Put in on and a different on. cap. Yeah. You got to <laughs> change things around from time to time, especially, I mean, that's the glorious thing too about being on a team is that if, you know, one of our folks goes on vacation, we're able to hop in and help. So sometimes you True. are having to change out that hat <laughs> True, <laughs> a little bit for sure. Now we're going to take a pause here for a moment because we are going to go on to, I'll have her back and we'll do a second episode here. I just want to make sure that you guys know that we're, there's going to be a part two. There will be a part two to this, which will be out in two weeks. And I want you to feel important of knowing that because we want you to come back and hear the rest of this because if it's a wonderful conversation. I just don't want you guys to feel like this is going on for two hours and you know I, I can't hold on to it. Yeah, it, it will go on for and we'll pick right back up, but we're going to give you a pause. Awesome. Thank you, guys. It was such a pleasure being here today. Cade, again, you guys, my name is Kristen Wilson with Hollingsworth & Company Real Estate powered by Keller Williams. If y'all have any questions, want to go have coffee, have lunch, anything like that, reach out to me. Um, my cell phone number is 770-337-1286. Or you can reach me via email. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N at Hollingsworth, H-O-L-L-I-N-G-S-W-O-R-T-H and A-N-D-C-O at dot com. <laughs> and I will have these links at the bottom in the description. All this will kind of be there for you to be able to contact and reach out because that's the best way to be able to find somebody is having the links there at easy hand for it. Don't be afraid to kind of reach out on that. And if you're like, hey, you want to ask me a question? My email is Cade, which is spelled C-A-D-E, at learningfromfriends.com. I have a Twitter page, which you can find, Learning From Friends Podcast. I have a Patreon if you would like to be able to contribute. I will take a dollar. I'll take a million dollars, you know, whatever you're feeling comfortable with in the generosity there. I also have a Facebook page. They can be able to reach out that way. So as you all know, my name is Cade Curtis, your tour guide on Learning From Friends. And as we leave here today, don't forget... Such a curiosity. Fly high. Um.